We're going to be covering the three chapters of 2 Peter over the next five weeks. And I'm really excited about this because it's been a while since we've preached through a book of the Bible. And uh, we chose this because it's short enough where we think we can do a decent job covering it in five weeks. And the beautiful thing about preaching through a whole book is being able to see the context of what's really going on in the whole book. So I'm going to be starting this week from verse chapter 1, verse 1, and we're going to go all the way through um, this book. Just a little bit of background here. The Apostle Peter is the one who most likely wrote this book, and he, he wrote this letter to Christians um, who were being influenced by false teaching, uh, false teaching from, from people who called themselves Christians but weren't, saying things like, oh, Jesus is not going to come, the end of the world won't come, and, and obviously, false teaching like that is going to have a big impact on how you live your life. If you believe that Jesus is going to come, you're going to live a certain way. If you believe that he's not going to come, you're going to live a very different way. So that was one of the main things he was teaching against. And, and he was also teaching Christians about what Christian life is supposed to be like. What does it look like to live the Christian life and to run the race? So very, very excited about this book. And I think there are a lot of things that are going to be very applicable to us um, as we go through it. So... But without further ado, let's get into this. And we're going to look at it a few verses at a time here. So it says, Simeon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Let me stop there for a moment because this is such an incredible verse. This is such an incredible line that Peter has written here. Let me read this one more time. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Brothers and sisters... In Christ, Peter is saying that each and every one of us, me, you, if you are a believer, if you are a Christian, you have everything that you need in order to be able to live a godly life right now. At this very moment, you lack nothing because his divine power is at work in you. I think this is so encouraging. I think this is so important for us to know because sometimes we think there, there are too many things that are keeping me from being able to live a godly life. You don't understand my life situation. You don't understand my family problems. You don't understand my marriage. You don't understand my financial situation. Man, there's so many things that are keeping me from being able to focus on God, being able to live for him, being able to be godly. Well, Peter says here, you have everything that you need right now for life and godliness. You don't lack anything because the Holy Spirit, the power, the divine power is at work in you. That means you have everything you need to be faithful to God at work. You can be confident in your identity as a Christian and live as one in your secular workplace. You can treat even the most difficult coworkers, maybe even ones that you consider your enemies, with love 
and forgiveness. You can be a diligent worker and be the light of Christ in your company because you have divine power to do that. You have everything you need to be able to do that no matter where you are. Now, if you work for the mafia, you need to get out. If you are a prostitute, you need to change your, your you, you, there are certain things, right? If you're a drug dealer, no, right? We need to change our profession. But barring those things, wherever you are, you have what you need to be able to be faithful to God. Marriage sometimes is difficult. But if you're married, you have everything you need to be a husband, to be a wife that loves your spouse with the love of God, to be able to work through your problems, to be able to forgive each other, to be able to be humble, to be able to listen, to be able to start again and try again. You have everything that you need for that, for your marriage. If you're single, you have everything that you need to be able to live a life of joy and contentment even as a single, even though the world around you is constantly telling you, you need to find somebody. If you don't have love, if you don't have that somebody in your life, then your life isn't complete. No, you have everything you need to be able to live a complete life right now before God with joy and contentment. You have everything you need to overcome sin and temptation in your life, no matter how strong you have what you need. You have everything you need to be able to live fully, faithfully in the midst of this pandemic. Even though it's disrupted our world, disrupted our country, disrupted our lives, in the middle of it, you have everything you need to live for God. What a powerful statement from Peter. We have this divine power. You lack nothing right now to be able to live a life of godliness. Isn't that encouraging? Now, there's a couple of caveats here, though. You go, oh, caveats. I knew there had to be a caveat to this. I knew that was too good to be true. Well, let me get into this, what Peter is saying here. There are important caveats here that we need to know. First is this. As we continue here in verse 3, it says, through... So we've gotten this divine power. It's given us everything we need for godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. So the first caveat is this. This divine power only comes through the knowledge of God. So if you are a Christian, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, then you have access to this power. Friends, if you're here and if you are exploring Christianity, if you do not consider yourself a Christian, if you want this type of divine power to be able to live a godly life, to be able to live in the way that the creator has designed us to live, God invites you to that, but it comes through the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of God, that he sent his son to die upon the cross for our sins and that his son was raised from the dead on the third day. And if you put your faith in him, you have access to this divine power as well. That's the first thing. Now, for those of us who are already Christians and you're saying, well, I already got that, I already do that, there's a second caveat here that's extremely important and, and, and where I really want to drill down this morning. In verse 4, as we continue, it says, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, 
you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now, this is extremely important here because Peter says here, by which? By this knowledge. By this knowledge, what has happened? By this knowledge, we have gained knowledge of God's promises. And it is through trust in these promises. You see, not just a static knowledge, not just that, yeah, in fifth grade, they had an altar call and, and I went up and I said, I believe that. I believe Jesus is Lord and Savior and, and I want him to be my God. Not just that when you're in college, somebody came to you with the four spiritual laws, a little pamphlet and read it to you and you said, I want to believe in that and, and you read the sinner's prayer at the end of that. Not just this knowledge of God, but this knowledge by which we've obtained the promises of God. You see, by this knowledge of God comes also the promises, what he's written in his word, the different promises that he has given to us. And when we take these promises, we read them and we say, God, help me to believe the promise and help me to walk in the promise. Help me to do and live out the promise. That's when we experience the divine power. That's when we become partakers of the divine nature. In other words, we become more like God. We become more godly. That's how we escape the corruption in the world because of sinful desire. That's how we resist sin, how we walk away from sin and we walk toward Jesus by these promises of God. You see, brothers and sisters, what... What Peter is saying here, and here, here's the connection. Here's what I want us to understand. We all have this divine power. We can be godly in any and every circumstance, every situation, no matter what you're experiencing right now. But that doesn't just happen because, oh, I know Jesus. I became a Christian in fifth grade or in college or last week. It's not just the knowledge. It's, that knowledge is the gateway. That knowledge is the door we enter in through and then it takes us to the Bible, to the promises of God. We read those promises. And as we say, I'm going to walk in this, I'm going to trust this promise, the power of God moves in us to walk out that promise and to become like God and to say no to sinful desire. Do you, do you see this, this flow that Peter is giving here? We have divine power to walk in these promises of God. You see, we don't just say, God, I want to be godly. God, make me godly through your divine power and then sit on the couch, eat chips and watch TV. That's, that's not how it works. We say, God, I want to be godly. And then we open up his word and we read it and we say, God, give me the power to believe this and to walk in this. That's how we experience this power of God. Let me give you a few examples here, three examples of promises Hebrews 13.5, this promise says, keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So when you're struggling to believe, when you're struggling with the idols of wealth 
of money, of comfort, of material things, and, and you're longing for those things, what you do is you sit down in front of this promise, you read it, and you said, God, may your divine power flow through me to really believe that you'll never leave me. And you're never going to forsake me so, that, so I don't need to put my trust in money or in material things. Instead, I can put my trust in you. God, let your power work through me so that I believe this and I make choices in my life that reflect the truth of this promise. That's the divine power working through you. John 15, 9, it says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. Maybe you're struggling with being single. Maybe you're wondering, when am I going to find somebody? And you find yourself discontent, angry, maybe, maybe bitter about this. When you sit down in front of this promise and you say, God, help me to really believe this and know this, that your love, the love that, that you have for Jesus is the same love that you have for me. You love me that much? And, and brothers and sisters, friends, any love we look for from a significant other, even from a spouse, it is a shadow. It is meant to point to the incredible fullness of the love of God that he has for you. In heaven, there's no marriage. I'm going to see my wife, Christina, and just give her a high five or something. I don't know how that's going to work out. You know, hey, chest bump and hang out. But we're married to Christ because that is the greatest fulfillment of love. And we can experience that now. So as a single, you sit down before this promise. You say, God, help me to know this so deeply in my heart that I can be content and joyful even in this state of my life. Sure, you may want to get married. Sure, I hope that you get married if that's what you desire. But you have the power now to be content and joyful even in this state right now. 2 Timothy 1.7, it says, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Maybe you struggle with the fear of, of talking about Jesus or sharing the gospel. Maybe that's very difficult for you, the idea of being rejected, the idea of being laughed at or, or, or considered um, old-fashioned or a bigot or something or another. You sit down before this promise and say, God, help me to believe this. Help me to know this. You gave me a spirit, not of fear, but you gave me power. And you also gave me love, even for my enemies, even for those who persecute me. You gave me self-control to not answer out of anger or, or defensiveness, but with humility, with patience, with love. God, Give me that power within me. You see, you sit down before this promise. You say, let the divine power flow through me to believe this and to walk this out. This is what Peter's saying. This power doesn't just come through knowledge. I know the four spiritual laws. I know the sinner's prayer. Power comes when we take a hold of the promises of God and we, we live them out. That's where this promise becomes manifest, where the power becomes manifest in our lives. Now, this is why we, we need to know this because this is very important as we look at verse 5 here. Verse 5 down to 7, it says, For this very reason, so Peter's connecting it with what I just read in verses 3 through 4. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. 
and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Now, the thing that I want to point out here that, that I believe is that the order of things here is not really that important. This is not like a chain of, um, okay, you start with faith and then you go to virtue. Once you got virtue down, you go to knowledge. When you have knowledge down, then you move on to self-control. It's not a chain here. The order is really not that important. I think the main thing here that is important is that Peter says here, make every effort to supplement your faith. To supplement your faith. Faith is where we start. Knowledge. Knowledge of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection. That's where we start, but we need to supplement it. You don't just stay at knowledge. You don't just hang out there. You have to add more to it. You have to live out the promises. As we, as we saw earlier, you need virtue. You need steadfastness and godliness. You need to be able to love others. You need self-control. You need all of these things in your life being worked out as you work out the promises of God in your life. You see, Peter says, make every effort to do this. Add to your faith. Supplement it. It can't just remain knowledge. But we need to see the promises of God working out in your life as you step into them and live them out. Peter says here, going on, for if these qualities are yours and are increasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Now, notice here, Peter says that these qualities need to be increasing. The, the virtue, the godliness, the love, these are things that need to be growing and increasing in your life. You need to be taking a hold of these promises and walking them out. That is so important. You know, years ago, I was um, at the beach and uh, I was there with my family and, and different people. I can't remember which time this was, but it was years ago. And uh, I was out there in the water, just having, a fun, having fun, bobbing around. This is not my Florida lagoon story of my cousins. This is a different one. I have a lot of dangerous water stories. So if we're at the beach together, keep an eye on me. I was out there in the water, and, and I was just um, bobbing around and having fun. And uh, because I'm not a strong swimmer, so I generally like to stay where my feet can touch the ground. Um, or if I need to, I could just kind of push off the ground to be able to stay up. So uh, I was out there just having fun, bobbing around, floating around, treading a little bit of water. And then um, at a certain point, all of a sudden, you know, I go down to reach the ground to kind of push myself off, and I felt no ground. And I don't know if any of you ever had that situation where you're expecting ground to be there, and you go down and you try to push off and there's nothing there. And all of a sudden you're like crazy shocked. And I was, I was so surprised. I was like, Where, where's the ground? The ground's not there. And then, you know, I went down again to try to push off the bottom and there's no ground there. And then I'm up and I'm treading water and, and a little bit of panic 
starts to, to set in. I'm like, okay, this is not good. I always like having ground below me. And what I didn't realize was that when I was just there floating around, bobbing around, there was a current in there that was just slowly pulling me away from shore. So I was like, okay, all right, Ulysses, swim to shore, okay? So I start swimming towards shore, but like I said before, I'm not a good swimmer. So the current is still pulling me out, and I'm there trying to swim towards shore, and I am not making any progress. And at this point, full panic sets in. Full-blown panic, but not enough panic yet for me to swallow my pride and scream for help. But still, it was a pretty full-blown panic, and I'm swimming, and I'm swimming, and I'm realizing I'm not getting anywhere, and I start swimming as hard as I can with, like, the world's most inefficient strokes, just, just muscling it as much as I could, and I'm slowly, inch by inch, making progress towards land, and finally, when I, when I get there, when I get close enough to touch the ground and I, and I start walking and I drag myself on the shore and I collapse onto the ground and I was just wiped. And then this really crazy thing happened. There was like a three or a four-year-old boy that I did not know there playing with his sand, his bucket and his sand. And, and uh, he, was, he wasn't even looking at me. And there's no way he knew that I was struggling out in the water. People around me didn't even know. And he didn't even look up at me and he said, it almost got you. And I said, what? What the? Spawn of the devil? Is this a demon? I, it's, to this day, I don't understand what happened there. I don't know who that kid was. I was scared. Scared all my life. I almost died and I thought the devil did it. with trying to kill me. But the, the, the moral of the story is I, I was there and I was just having a good time and I thought I could, just, I could just float there. I could just hang out. But what I didn't realize was the current was constantly pulling at me and pulling me away from shore. And I didn't realize it, but I was drifting away from shore. That's what was happening to me. Brothers and sisters, this is, this is what Peter is saying here, that these qualities need to be increasing because the reality is this world is, const the current of this world is constantly trying to pull us away from God. There is a constant current of it. The world that we live in, the influence of this world is constantly pulling us away from God. The devil, who is real, is constantly trying to pull you away from God. Our own sinful nature that is still within us and fighting against the things of the Spirit is constantly trying to pull us away from God. That is constantly happening. Brothers and sisters, if, we, if you stay still, if you kind of just float around, you're actually being carried away. You are drifting away from God. It takes a tremendous amount of energy just to even stay still, to be in the same place. You have to swim. That's why Peter says these qualities need to be increasing because we are constantly drifting. If we think we're staying still, we are drifting. Maybe during COVID, you've drifted in your relationships with people. And we had social distancing and, and all these difficulties and not being able to get together. I totally understand that. But if you were to look at your relationships with people, you've drifted away from them in terms of your intimacy, in terms of the depth of your relationship with them, in terms of having somebody or people in your life that you're regularly sharing with and praying for each other, you're drifting with them, drifting away from them. And you need to swim hard. You need to fight hard 
to maintain that relationship by meeting up, maybe outdoors if you need to, maybe wearing masks if you need to, or, or doing a Zoom call or something with people, but you need to fight in order to have those relationships to keep them from drifting away. Maybe you've been drifting in terms of evangelism. Maybe at one point in your life, you, you were out there on the street, you would share the gospel with people, you know, even strangers. You would look for opportunities with your friends or coworkers to share the gospel. But now, when you look at your life now, it's been ages since you've shared the gospel with anybody. And you've been slowly drifting and drifting and drifting away from the Great Commission. Maybe at one point, you were very generous and you were giving, very giving. But over time, materialism has gotten a hold of your heart and you find yourself less and less generous, less and less giving and drifting away in that area of your life. Maybe you find yourself drifting in the area of purity before the Lord. Maybe purity is something you really used to value, you really used to fight for. But now you find yourself drifting in the areas of pornography or maybe in the relationship that you're in with somebody and you find your, your, your boundaries being erased and you find yourself drifting further and further and further away. This is where we need, as Paul says, to seek, to, Peter says, to fight for our faith. These qualities need to be increasing. If you find yourself becoming ineffective or unfruitful in your relationship with God, perhaps it's because you've been drifting slowly further and further away from God and you don't even realize it, brothers and sisters. You know, um, in verses 10 through 11 here, Peter says this, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, we, we never judge a person's faith based upon what he or she says he believes. We judge a person's faith based upon how hard he's swimming. That's how we judge a person's faith. This is what Peter says. He says, be diligent to confirm your calling and election. In other words, this is how we make sure that we're Christian, that you're saved. You have to diligently confirm that based upon how hard you are swimming, how hard you are seeking after God, because that is the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit at work within you. Friends, this is not legalism. This is not works righteousness. We can never earn our salvation. But what this is saying, what Peter is saying is, this is how we can know and be confident that the Holy Spirit really is within us by how hard we are swimming, 
by how much we are seeking to walk in the promises of God. He says, make your calling and your election sure. So if you are not diligently pursuing the promises of God, if you are not making every effort, like Peter says, the Bible says that this may be a sign that you are not actually saved. Brothers and sisters, please do not settle for knowledge. Please watch out for the danger of drifting away, of thinking that I can just maintain. I come to church. I read my Bible here and there. I'm okay. The current of this world is constantly pulling you away from God. The reality is you have everything you need, brothers and sisters, everything you need to live a godly life right now. But we need to come before the promises of God, to know them and to walk in them, to swim hard after the things of God. Let's pray. I'm going to invite the worship team up right now. Can we stand together? And I want you to just um, think about this for a moment. Maybe some of you can relate to that drift that takes place. Maybe some of you have relied upon knowledge a lot and you've taken comfort in the fact that you understand the gospel, that you prayed the sinner's prayer, that you believed in Jesus at one point in your life. But I'm here to tell you that that is not enough not in a legalistic way, not in a works righteousness way, but, but the evidence of that, the, the confirmation of your salvation comes in seeing the divine power at work in you when you hold on to these promises. So I wanna challenge you, brothers and sisters, maybe this morning, maybe there's something, an area of your life where you've been drifting. I wanna challenge you to, to take a hold of God's promises, any promise that relates to that area of your life and to say, God, give me the power to trust in it, to walk in it, to believe in it, Lord God, because that power is available to me. I wanna tell you, maybe your struggle this morning is lust and purity. And I know so many people, so many people struggle with lust and pornography with, with, impure, with sexual immorality in their relationships. God has given you the power to walk in purity and godliness. You have everything you need for that. Would you take a hold of those promises this morning? Would you ask God, God, help me to believe your word, that it is better to be pure. It is better to experience the fullness of God. It is better to wait for marriage. I'm gonna trust in your promise concerning that, Lord. Give me the power to do so. Have you been drifting and just loving this world more than God? Take a hold of the promise of God. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. You don't need anything else. If you have God, if you have his love, maybe you need to take a hold of that promise. Maybe you need to take a hold of the promise of God that you need these relationships, that he's provided relationships for you, that the church is something that he has created and that he is the head over and that it is for you, and, and maybe you've been hurt by the church, or maybe you've drifted away during COVID from meaningful relationships, 
take a hold of that promise that those relationships are life-giving and ask God, God, give me the power to, to make a phone call. Give me the power to, to meet up with somebody. Give me the power to, to share about what's going on in my life because I need these relationships, God. Give me the faith to believe that and to walk in that.